Hello and welcome to Team Talk, the show that's all about Forces families. I'm Charlie. And I'm Jill. And we're dedicating the next 30 minutes to Forces life. Coming up, we'll hear what happened when Louise and Charlie met another Forces family for a chat in Portsmouth. And we'll hear from our experts in the know. This week's little victory comes from 10-year-old Imani from Stafford, who's supporting her local community during lockdown. And finally, we catch up with the Olympic legend and ex-military PTI, Chris Akabusi MBE. Plus, as usual, we've got no say in the music. It's completely down to young people around the Forces world choosing the songs that serve me. If you're from a Forces family, you've come to the right place. Team Talk is the show all about you. Let's kick off then with some family time. Just before the lockdown, the gang headed to Portsmouth to meet Mary Claire and her daughter Beatrice. Team Talk. The FBS. The Forces Station. Welcome to Family Time. I'm Louise. If you don't know me, I'm the founder of the charity Little Troopers. And we're so excited today to be in Portsmouth with Mary Claire and Beatrice, who is a Little Trooper. Thanks for joining us today. It's lovely to have you here. Now, can you tell us a little bit about how your military life started? Online. Online dating. That is such a common theme of our Team Talk families. Honestly. Yeah, online. And um, we kind of... Fell in love before we met, really. So we'd met online, chat a lot, and then had our first date in Skegness via New York. Via New York? Which is in Lincoln. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when it kind of started. I'm that person that if I see paramedics out and about, if I will offer them to get them a drink or just to say thank you because they're these unsung heroes, really. So him being in the military really did not put you off in any way. It was almost like a positive to you. He did a great job, uh, in my opinion. I think they all do. That was my starting point. And then it was the person. I mean, that sounds maybe cliche, but yeah, it was a person I fell in love with and, and him, me. And this has all happened in the last seven years. He also deployed very quickly after you got married, didn't he? Oh, he did. Yeah. Um, so four days, I think it was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we got married on the Saturday. We knew we was going to the Falklands. Still, you know, newly married. You know, I've been there myself. My husband deployed, you know, 10 days after we got married. So I get it. But it's still difficult, you know, waving your new husband off to deployment the other it side was. of the world. Yeah, it was quite surreal. And I was 18 weeks pregnant when we got married as well. So, um, But he made it back for the birth? He did, yes. And I was saying like the 20-week scan... I did a little note to the sonographer because obviously they're there to do a really important job and it's not always about gender reveal, but I did a little note and said if you could circle it and she circled the gender and Darren and I opened it via Skype that evening to find out the gender together. He's over 8,000 miles yeah. away, but you can share that moment together. Yeah, yeah, That absolutely. must have been magical. Yeah, well, it's it's making the best of a less than maybe perfect you know, situation. But um, I think that's what military drive is, really. It's just, you don't take things, I didn't, it taught me not to take things for granted and make the most of it, really. But he did make it back for the birth. He did, yeah. Um, definitely. Which is really lovely. Yeah. And how, so how was that? How was being, you know, getting to that point, you know, you've reached the end of your pregnancy, you're still newlyweds, you know, and you haven't spent a lot of that time on your, you know, together. Um 
you know, now the baby comes. How, you know, how was that? Did that have an impact on your well-being at that time? Uh, definitely, yeah. I was waiting to see the mental health team um, bef- during my pregnancy um, and then I actually got to the top of the list and they rode to see me, but I'd had her by then and moved into a different county. I'd moved to RAF Scampton. And then I'm in a new list and don't exist. Mm. <laughs> so you're not transferred... It's almost like you've got to start again. Yeah, yeah. And by trade, you were an educational psychologist, is that right? Yeah. And you'd done this for years, 14 years or so, met your husband, and then you stopped that, obviously, to go on your maternity leave. So I guess you've got so much going on. You've got married, you're now pregnant, you've given up your career, your husband's deployed. I can completely see why that had had this sort of impact on your well-being. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm... I'm trying to choose my words carefully yeah. now, but um, I think um, situations were overwhelming and depressing um, because I'd always worked full time and then I went back to three days a week. So I did have a year of maternity leave, actually, at RAF Scampton and got to see the Red Arrows a lot. And they were lovely to watch, but not when you're trying to get a baby to sleep. Um and it it was it was an, another it was living on on a camp behind the wire as they say and things like that but so that was a a new kind of challenge um, so you're torn because in, when you're in work mode you want to envelop yourself into work but when you're at home you're like no actually I'm doing this this mm. is what this is what I want so that must have been yeah I'm going back to work from maternity in the sort of November and then we bought our forever home in the, uh, December I think. 23rd of December, we moved in. We got the keys. So you were married unaccompanied for three yes. years, was it? Well, <laughs> that's what I'm learning about. Whatever plan there is, just screw it up and forget it. Ain't that the trade? <laughs> <laughs> because the that January started um, with him going to Bulma for six months. So he comes back at weekend. That's okay, you know. But then they actually relocated 4-9 battery down to Portsmouth. So... We then went, it was going to like 18 months of him trying to do the six hour journey home on a Friday night. And then it's go back really on a difficult Sunday. to manage. We did a period of married unaccompanied ourselves, and it comes with its own set of challenges. You know, it can be really difficult. So, have you found then that move to Portsmouth and being back towards the military community a positive one? Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's almost more normalised then, and they're, they're less, you know, they're not alone. You know, my daddy's away, my daddy's away too, and it, it's almost more. Yeah. Um, whereas when I was, when we were living married and accompanied, um, we did, I did have a welfare visit, and we did make a request for Darren to be sort of brought home to help me because it was, it was lots of challenges, which was declined, but I didn't know. I just didn't exist really. I didn't feel like we existed as part of the a part of the military. You felt family. really isolated. Yeah. So Beatrice is now five. Um, you're living in Portsmouth. Husband's deployed. You know, where are you at now in your military journey? What do you think? You know, what for the future? I'm um, working in a, in a supermarket um, that, that who have been really great actually in understanding. In terms and do you of, miss being an educational psychologist? I do. I think um, I've always, um, I've never stopped being a psychologist. Um, I'm just not getting paid <laughs> as one at the moment 
that makes sense. So right now you're making your military life work for you and you're around for Beatrice. And... Yeah, it's been a struggle because I've, I need to, I want to find my place in the world and I need to be, I am a psychologist and I still want to be of course. It's finding yeah. how to do that really. Mary Claire, it's been an absolute pleasure having you and Beatrice on. We like to finish family time with three special questions that we've asked all of our guests. Um, so the first one is, um, what has been your favourite posting to date? I think my current, the current one, um, because just that mili- sort of the military family. Portsmouth. Portsmouth, sorry, yeah. Um, and also the links to... I don't know, civic street. So we, we, I can be, we, she's made friends who are not military and I've got friends who are not military. So it's a nice, it's a really good balance. good balance. If you could give one, just one piece of advice to another forces family, what would it be? This life can sometimes almost pull you apart in different ways, but don't forget where it all started in terms of as, as a couple that, that's not military linked, I think. And for ladies or even and gents I suppose um, to just still hang on to your own dreams it might sound a bit cliche but I will get back into being an educational psychologist so I've got to hang on to that to keep me sane and finally what is your favourite memory of military life? This little one on the windowsill of when we were at RF Scampton the Red Arrows were regularly out and doing amazing tricks in the sky and just seeing her sort of awe and wonder about that, really. Thank you very much for coming in and just spending some time with the both of us here on Family Time and being a part of Team Talk. It's been great to have you here. Thank you very much. BS, BS. Team Talk. This is my station. This is the Forces Station. Hi, I am Amalia Caldi and I am age 10 and the song that serves me is... Oli Mer's Troublemaker. You had me hooked again from the minute you sat down. The way you got your lip, got my head spinning around. I like this song because it just reminds me of my best friend. We don't live near each other anymore, but still stay in contact. Trouble, trouble, make it, and I your middle name. Oh, I know you're no good, but you're stuck in my brain. Reminds me of her. Love you, Brentons. BS. The Forces Station. This is Team Talk. Team Talk. Team Talk.
Big thanks to Amani for today's first song that serves me. What a tune. But it's so good to know that young people like Amani have a song like that that really helps them when they're far away from family and friends. I think we all need a bit of that at the moment, don't we, in the lockdown, where we realise just how much we miss people when we don't get to see them as often as we'd like to. If you want to share with us your song that serves me or you'd like us to pass on a message to a friend that you're missing and longing to see, you can drop us an email. Teamtalk at bfbs.com. In today's family time, Mary Claire talked about how she struggled with her mental health when she was pregnant and her husband was thousands of miles away in the Falklands. With little Beatrice in the studio, the team didn't go into too much detail, but I've been speaking to experts who understand the emotional impact of Force's life. BFBS, the Force's station. This is Team Talk. In the new. Last year, the Army Families Federation saw a 40% increase in inquiries about families' mental health. Karen Ross from AF told me about the range of cases. They continue to raise issues about the impact of postings on transferring mental health support, significant delays in accessing CAMS, children and adolescent mental health services. Also, um, the main things are around mobility. So leaving support networks, leaving employment. Um, separation is also a really big issue. Uh, we know there are long periods of separation when service personnel go away on deployment and training. When you're expecting a baby, it must be daunting if your partner's away and might not make it back for the birth, or if you know they're being deployed when you have a newborn. Researchers at King's College Hospital are looking into the impact our lifestyle can have. They've just started a small study on how a partner of someone in the UK Armed Forces, what impact that has and if there is a higher um, incident of perinatal mental health amongst the um, Armed Forces communities. We expect young people to put up with a lot, from moving schools to missing a parent who's away from home for a long time. Our children are often called resilient, but Bridget Nicholson from the Naval Families Federation told me that's a stereotype which can be unfair. I think it's a bit dangerous to make an assumption that all children from armed forces families are resilient and tough people because often, you know, that can be a bit of a veneer. It's true that a certain amount of challenge with the right support can help children to sort of grow to be more resilient everybody has their limits. And there's this sort of assumption that children are somehow innately more flexible and able to cope with things than than adults are. And actually, you know, as adults, we've had a lot more opportunity to kind of learn to go through tough things. And we have that perspective to know that we come out the other end of a, of a difficult thing and that, you know, hard times don't last forever. The global pandemic has changed all our lives and none of us know when everything will be back to normal. But there is some good support available online for younger members of the family. There's lots of support out there which is not necessarily specifically directed towards armed forces families, but some really, really useful resources. So um, Young Minds, who um, are a brilliant charity that uh, look after children and young people's mental health have some fantastic resources on their website. The NSPCC currently have some amazing things on their website about 
you know, helping children with anxiety and with difficult feelings. We're going through some really, really challenging times at the moment. People in the armed forces, people in the NHS, everybody is. This sort of whole discussion about self-care and stuff, you know, sometimes it sounds all a bit sort of cheesy and a bit pie in the sky. When you're looking after a child, you really have to take care of yourself. BFBS. Team Talk. Bridget Nicholson from the Naval Families Federation and Karen Ross from the Army Families Federation with advice on looking after your mental health when you're part of a forces family. Getting creative can really help look after you and your family's mental health, especially during the lockdown. Here at BFBS, we've launched Forces Voices, a brand new creativity competition. To be in with a chance of winning £500 worth of Amazon vouchers, we're asking Forces families to share their stay-home masterpieces. This can include written or spoken word, a poem, or maybe a song. Maybe videography is more your thing and you fancy making a short film. It could even be arts and crafts or photography, if you like to capture life through the lens. All the entries are going to be judged by experts. Just search BFBS Forces Voices for more information. We can't wait to see what you come up with. Now, speaking of getting creative, it's time for this week's Little Victory. And here's Amani, who has definitely thought outside the box when it comes to how she can help her community. It was on like TV. They were showing this community fridge and you could put anything in and you could take anything out. Anyone could do it. Kind of made me think that it's good. So I want to do it because it's helping other people. Once you'd got that idea, you'd seen it was possible, what was the next step? The next step was to write to our local MP, Jeremy Lefroy, about what we're going to do and to see if he would help along the way and help this grow into a more popular charity. I got a letter back which said if we accepted he could come to our house for tea. So you had an official business meeting with him? He also brought his friend Anne Edgler, who's a counsellor, because she really, really knows this area very, very well. We discussed locations, where we'd get the food from and everything, and also like who needed it the most, really. From the off, you had the support of your local counsellor, your local MP, and they were trying to get this put into place. Yes, they were. So how did you choose the location and why was it so good for a fridge? Because we thought it was a good location. It's a food bank, so a lot of people would have gone there anyway. There's a lot of people in need in that area, so we thought it would be the best place. You've mentioned that there's a food bank already there. Why is Imani's Incredible Eats different to that? Why is the fridge so important? Because it's got fresh fruit and veg, meat, but only cooked meat, so people don't need to cook it. So the importance was really on the fresh fruits and vegetables? And like butter, milk, eggs, yoghurt, stuff like that. The basics that some of us take for granted. Yes. The food bank there supported for only 14 families. But now, thanks to our bridge there, it's increased up to 150-ish families. 150 families are being supported by Amani's Incredible Eats. That's a massive achievement. Thank you. But you didn't stop there, did you? No, we didn't. So we did Stafford in the World. We had a store there and we sold lollipops. Now you say we. Imani's Credible Eats was your idea, but now it's a big family affair, isn't it? 
So the people selling them was one of my friends and May and Enya, my two sisters. And they help you a lot with your fundraising, don't they? Yes, they really do. Enya is on more like the internet side and like she does like the Twitter and Instagram, kind of like that side. But then May's more like the art side. So like she's mostly doing posters, fundraising and like loads of different pictures and stuff. All your forces family is involved with this. Yes. Now, there's one important member that you've not mentioned, and that's your little brother. How does he help? <laughs> he tastes and um, he tastes the food. He, he tastes the food. Yes, he's the taste tester. <laughs> I love that. And how old is your little brother? He's two years old. So they've got a very important job to do. Yes. That's brilliant. So how many fridges have you got all together now? We've got six fridges. And how many families do you think you're now supporting with that? About 500. 500 families. That's amazing. Thank you. So if anybody's listening to this and thinks, wow, I'd love to get involved. I'd like to have a fridge close to me and support this. How can they get in touch with you? Find us on our socials, support us and follow and get in contact. Demand is incredible eats. Counting days, counting days since my love up and got lost on me. My name is Thomas. I'm eight years old. I live in Gibraltar. And every breath that I've been taking since you left feels like a waste on me. I chose Bruises by Rose Capaldi. I've been holding on to hope that you'll come back when you can find some peace. Every word that I've heard spoken since you left feels like a hollow street. I love this song because it's a song of my first CD, My Dad Got Me. I was first in Gibraltar when I heard it. I hope I never lose the bruises that you left behind. Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, I need you by my side. There must be something in the water. Cause every day it's getting colder And if only I could hold you You'd keep my head from going under It makes me feel calm if I get cross It reminds me of my dad Maybe maybe I'm just being blinded by the brighter side There must must be be something something in the water Every day it's getting colder And if only I could hold you You'd keep my head from going The song that serves me, chosen by Thomas, great song, amazing singing as well, Lewis Capaldi, watch out. Over this 13-week series, Team Talk will be hearing from a range of celebrities and public figures who've come from military backgrounds with their own forces stories to tell. Here's what happened when Charlie caught up with Olympic athlete Chris Akabusi, who also served for 15 years in the Army, in the Royal Signals and the PT Corps. BFBS. Team Talk. This is my station. This is the forces station. Chris, thank you very much for joining us on Team Talk and being a part of the show. It is great to meet you, although due to circumstances, we are meeting virtually. Exactly. 
But you can still do a high five. Give me a high five. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to meet you, Charlie. Looking forward to the show. Team talk. Let's get jiggy. You started your military career quite early on, didn't you? Yeah, I was six and a half when I joined the army. I've been in the children's zone for the, at least 10 years. I was very scared of leaving the children's zone. Didn't know what to do. Knew I was, couldn't take care of myself. So I needed some sort of structure around me. And the army was it. So I joined the army in, in 1975. I'm a London boy, and I remember sort of leaving King's Cross to go up to Newcastle and jumping off at Newcastle, being met by a bunch of soldiers in uniform and thrown onto the back of a four-ton truck with all these other scallywags from all over the country. And all of a sudden, you're in the army now, son, you're in the army now. It was good fun. The army was great for me. Now, you started in the Signals. Yes, indeed, there's more Signals. I joined a place called Ooston, which is up in Northumberland, and there's 800 of us there in the Royal Signals, and I was a junior signalman, and you had to do 28 weeks basic training, and then when you got over that, then you'd go on to trade training. The story there, having got all of my kit and downloaded it, and slept in the barracks for the night, in the morning, we all come on the parade square, and the sub major, he comes out, this is his motivating words, there are 800 men on this parade, and by the end of the 28 weeks, he said, and half of you are not good enough to be in my, my regiment. So by the end of 28 weeks, some of you will be sick, some of you are lame, and some will go home to mum. And I remember him saying that and thinking, no, nah, I'm staying. And it's really funny, it was, it was reverse psychology because he told you, I don't want you, you ain't good enough, you don't belong here, we're going to get rid of you guys. This is about elimination. And of course, those people who really wanted to be there or needed to be there, fought to be there. And every day, I did what it took to be there. And of course, those who weren't quite sure found ample excuses to go home to mum. And you stuck at it and you made a very successful military career. You made the transition, though, from the signals and became a PTI. What made you make that change? Well, the great thing about the army, you get an opportunity to do so many different things. And I got introduced to athletics as a junior soldier. And then when I got my post in to Germany, the guy who ran the gym saw that I was doing my athletics and I was playing basketball and playing all these sports. He said, look, you're, you're in everything come and join my PE staff. And so you, you, you did your basic PE course, which was six months then, and then did so well, he put me forward for my transfer to PT Corps. And these are very proud moments, Charlie. I mean, I was proud to get my basic training. I was proud to do my trade training and to go from a junior soldier to data telegraphist and go to Germany on a posting. And then while in Germany and posting in the signals to transfer to the PT Corps. And for nine years... I served the British Army as a senior NCO in the Army Physical Training Corps. And I was responsible for all the fitness in the regiment, which was a great responsibility, which I did with pride. I think I did a good job because I went from sergeant to star sergeant and I finished my career as a one officer class too. So I was amply rewarded for the trade that I did in that transfer. Now, you went to the Olympics as a soldier and came away as an Olympian. Tell me how that felt. It was an awesome experience. I was the inter-service champion. I was the combine service champion. And I just used to compete in the army. And then one of my friends called Clarence Callender, he asked me, why don't you go to the UK championships? And I said to him, well, no, that's, that's where all the good guys go. Well, he said, how do you know how good you are if you don't go there? So I thought, good shout. So I went to the UK championship in 1983, and I won it. I became the UK champion. And that got me into my international journey. And so 18 months it took me then from becoming UK champion in 1983 I went to Olympic Games in 84 as 2, 4, 3, 5, 4, 8, 3, 5, Sergeant Agabusi, squaddy. 
I'm a soldier. And I came away from there as an Olympic silver medalist. And I couldn't believe the journey. So it must have been a difficult decision having a, a love for being in the military and inspiring others and obviously being an Olympian to then make the decision to leave the forces. The most difficult thing about leaving the forces is handing in your ID card. Because the moment you hand in the ID card, you can't go back in the camp. And, you know, all your life, you flush your ID card and you walked in. Have an egg banjo. Love an egg banjo. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can get an egg banjo anywhere in the world. But you can't do that anymore. So, yeah, that was a massive day. The day I had in my ID card was a massive day. But the army never left me. The army was always inside of me. Even, even today, I am grateful for the role the military played in my life. So tell me what it is that you want that, that you don't have. Hey, it's Chris Akabuzi. How you doing? Here all the time. And I'd like to see what I could get done. I'm going to let you know what my song is. Ila Sigmund Scorsese. Say to my Lord brother, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is your life. Yes, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is your life. Born in a dream state with a clean slate. No concept of hate was embedded inside my DNA. The world gave a hard drive a virus. The reason I chose this song is because I've been speaking about my life. And this is your life. It's not a dress rehearsal. One life to live. BS. Team Talk. This is my station. This is the Forces Station. So that's it from us here at Team Talk for another week. We've had a great chat on family time with Louise from Little Troopers, speaking to Mary Claire about her military journey and her mental health. And we got some good advice on how we can all make sure we prioritise our well-being. We also celebrated Imani, who's this week's little victory, making such a big difference to her community thanks to her fridges. And of course, we heard from the one and only Chris Akabusi, MBE, for this week's Speaking From Experience. Join us next week for more of the same or catch up on all the episodes. Go to bfbs.com forward slash podcasts. Team Talk is produced by TBI Media with support from the Audio Content Fund. Until next time, bye. See ya.